You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Good morning, Portland, Oregon. That's right. Welcome to Felony Inc. Podcast, live from downtown Portland, PDX, and brought to you by Startup Radio Network. I'm Lad Justison, and each week we interview formerly incarcerated men and women who have turned their lives around and started successful businesses. The original host of our program, Dave Dahl, of Dave's Kilo Bread, was able to turn his life around and make the best bread in the world. Isn't that right, Mark? Yum, yum. His turnaround story has inspired many, and we hope that today's guest will do the same. Before I get to our guest, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Mark Gailey, owner of Murder, Inc. Tattoo Parlor right here in downtown Portland, and a fine example of a formerly incarcerated knucklehead. knucklehead. That was able to turn his life around. Mark, what the hell's going on? Everything and not a lot of nothing. <laughs> what, got any new romantic interests? Um, yeah, you know, on that note, it's it's a tough world out there in the dating game. <laughs> um, you know, the girl you like kind of puts you on the back burner. A girl you don't really like, uh, you know, proposes to marry you, wants you to move in with her. Uh, yeah. So wow. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough world out there on the front lines. That's crazy, Mark. It is crazy. Um, <laughs> How do you do it? How do you get so many different girls? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm not trying to get so many different girls. I'm just going about my everyday life. Um, and my hope is to find someone I can socialize with on a good level. But it's are, are they attracted to the, the neck tattoo? Is that <laughs> you what know it what? is? I don't know what they're attracted to, but uh, it's crazy. Um, a lot of girls with daddy issues out there. Yeah. Um, they need to go to reform school. <laughs> Maybe they could turn their lives around. But um, yeah, it's it's, wow. it's 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 hard out there. I'm not really. I'm kind of putting all that on the back burner. I'm focusing on my business right now. Um, girls. <laughs> Anyways. Well, good luck with that. Mark. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I probably need it. <laughs> well, you know what? Well, how about you, on? though? Wait, 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 wait. What, what, what? Well, how about your uh, dating life? Because my dating life has I... gone. <laughs> what? Again? Yeah, I'm just, you know, free willing it. That was quick free. this time. I yes. Well, it was. Speed date. It, it's it speed was. I love here. speed dating. It's better to uh, love than not loved at all, or whatever that saying is. Well, yeah. To be lost in love. and I have a tattoo on my arm. It uh, reminds me of not to make any bad choices in relationships. It's called Loser in Love. <laughs> it's my favorite tattoo. Wow. N- next to the Dave's Killer Bread tattoo with the horns on it. Wow. Dave's Killer Bread tattoo. I got one, too. I got it first, and then Mark got it. Oh, you got one, too. Now. Yeah. What it is, it's Dave's Killer Bread cartoon caricature. Mm-hmm. Caricature. And, and caricature. Carc- I like to say caricature. I like caricature. Okay. Yeah, me too. Reminds me of a vulture, like looking yeah, for a carcass. Carcass. <laughs> carcass. But it's Dave's cartoon character, and it's got horns on it like he's the devil. Because on the right side, on my excuse me, on my left side, mm-hmm. I have my man Jesus. We need to get Jesus and dialed then in. On the other side, I have my uh, oh, right. devil partner. I think, I think you Dave should get Dahl. one that's like split down the middle, half Jesus, half Devil Dave. 
Hey. A big back piece. Just right like, on my chest. That's right. Right over the heart. Wow. Okay. That's enough. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> well, you know what? Today's guest is one of Mark's friends, right, Mark? Yes. So, Mark, why don't you introduce your friend today? So, um, you ever heard that um, Shane Company commercial? You got yes. a friend in the diamond business. Well, it's nothing better than to have a friend in the towing business, especially a guy like me with so many projects going on. So, yes, uh, me and Jeff kind of hit it off, and he was open to trading tattoos for some tow work. So, um, What did you have towed? Your 55? I did have my 55 well, towed over what there. What hasn't he had towed? That's true. I'm probably a thorn in his spine. He's probably like, oh, God, there's Mark. I can't answer this call. Oh, my God. It's that bad, lad. You know me. I already know. You got shit parked all over this stuff. I, oh, that's when that's all being dialed in really soon. It is. Yes. Well, you better hurry up because you know that property sold. You bought it. Yeah. Okay. No, not not that property. Oh, the you, property where your bus is. You didn't buy that. No, not me. Who bought it? An investment company. Oh, oh no! It's gonna be like the food carts down here. They're gonna move <laughs> out my projects. <laughs> yeah, I went by there one day. Some guy was over there taking pictures of your fifty-five. And I was like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just like old art, you know, busted down cars. And I'm like, well, there it is you right there. Gave, you should have gave him my number. <laughs> it was a guy. I could keep him busy with art. Oh, man. But anyway, keep on with your friend. Oh, yeah, Jeff. Jeff's an awesome guy. He's dead some time. Um, he's turned his life around. He has a tow company. Um, he's uh, he's doing what a lot of people want to do. They want to work for themselves, uh, um, be responsible, Um yeah. I'd rather have Jeff actually tell us a little about his company, how it started and stuff. Well, you know what? Before we get to that, like jumping Mark, the gun. why don't we just go back a little bit? Because you know what? We'd like to hear the, the story of transformation. So, Jeff, why don't you take us back, you know, when you was a kid, you know, what kind of got you into the, the realm of, you know, kind of getting in trouble and not doing the right thing? Sure. So... I was born in a Newport, Oregon, small town by, down by the coast, and uh, I have a lot of family down there. My my parents, there wasn't a lot of work down there, so they moved us up to Portland and uh, put us in the Portland Public Schools, and I did really good. My family, I'm from a long line of alcoholics, and uh, I did really good in school. I was a jock till I was 15. My parents got divorced, kind of went off the deep end, started drinking and uh, experimenting with drugs. And uh, I ended up getting into a lot of trouble. I, I dropped out of high school. And uh, um, yeah, it was just, it was a trying time in my life. And uh, so with the, with the... Uh, you think your, your parents separating, that had a, had a big effect on you? Yeah, it, it did. So my stepdad was a six-year Marine and... Uh, uh, we didn't get along when they got divorced i kind of went off the deep and i didn't have that uh figure over my head anymore you that know structure I mean? yeah so um yeah it was it was trying times for me i got in a lot of trouble was in and out of juvie and uh i ended up going to prison when i was 20 and yeah it was just it was a trying time for me so you ended up kind of starting hanging out with the wrong the wrong crowd Right? And then uh, you started doing drugs. What was your, your drugs of choice? So I, I started drinking and smoking pot really young. And then when I was 15, I started doing meth. And um, that, yeah, that was, a, that was a real struggle for me. 
Meth is a doozy. Man, I'm telling it's you, a bit that's of, hard to get off. It's a bit of a commitment. <laughs> so you ended up going to prison. What happened that took you there? So, um, well, I started committing crimes to support my drug habit. and uh, Burglaries, robberies. Yeah. Do, what, was your, well, what was your MO? So I was doing, I was breaking into pop machines to support my habit. And, uh, but I went to prison like four times, did 16 and a half years before I finally had enough. And I, so not to get all religious, but I turned my life over to God and that's when my life started changing. I went to treatment and I got out of treatment. I started setting small goals for myself. Um, I went to college and I, see, I always told myself that I, I, could, I wasn't smart enough to ever succeed in life or to go to college. I went to college and I started doing really good. I, I took Math 20, I passed it. I took Math 60, I passed it. I took Math 65, I passed it. Writing 115, writing 121, Psychology 201. And what I noticed was everything I passed, I started having more confidence in myself. And I started realizing, hey, you're actually smart. And so then I ended up going in the mechanics program. It was the toughest program I've ever been in. It, took, it was a two-year program, and I, I passed it. I worked at a mechanic shop for four years when I was going to school, and I just decided I didn't want to be a mechanic for the rest of my life. So the uh, lady that was coming in there that was towing for the shop, I started talking to her and getting the ins and outs about the towing business. And I decided, you know, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a try. So I ended up going in the towing business with a friend of mine, and uh, I used his truck. I made made the business all legal, got the website, got the business license, made the company completely legal. After three months, he wasn't making the money that he was used to making by himself. And he, so I ended up uh, splitting off with him. And then my family, they really believed in me. They seen all this struggle that I'd gone through and they seen that I was trying to turn my life around. So they loaned me some money to get my first tow truck. And I got my first tow truck, started towing for myself, and uh, the rest is history. I, I've been in business two years now, and I'm actually making a, a, a good living taking care of my family. Congratulations. So, so go back a little bit. You know, um, everybody, you know, like you're saying, you know, God is what changed your life, of course. But there's just like an aha moment in, in you know, doing all this, and, you're, you know, you realize, man, you know what? I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, obviously, I'm not a very good criminal. I keep getting caught. Um, and it took you, uh, what, four times in prison, you said? So what was that moment? You know, do you remember that moment where you just finally said to yourself, you know what, this is not working? Yeah, so the last time I went to prison, I did 11 years for armed robbery. I did a robbery to try to save my little sister's house. So when I went, got sentenced for that, I got 13 and a half years. I ended up doing 11 on it. So my attorney and the DA, they told me, they're like, look, this is your last chance. If you get out and you screw up again, you get caught with a gun, you get caught with a bullet, you get caught with any part of a gun, uh, you're going to be gone forever. You're going to be get dangerous offender 30 years. So my, I got out of prison after 11 years. My mom had died a, a month later of cancer. I, I took it really hard, but I was clean and sober when she died. So... It, it, it was really hard on me. About seven months after my mom passed away, I started drinking again, and I ended up relapsing and using again. So what had happened was um, I was in a high-speed chase with the police. There was a gun in the engine compartment of the car. I 
I ended up wrecking the car. They impounded the car. I was sitting in jail. I went into an AA meeting, and I remember sitting in there, and this realization was, I'm going to do the rest of my life in prison. I'm going to do 30 years in prison. And they never found the gun. I got. I went into the bathroom of the AA meeting. I got on my knees, and I said, God, please, I can't do this no more. Please change me. And that's what finally did it for me and changed me. And then I started praying, and I started listening. So I ended up they were going to let me out of jail after two weeks and put me on probation. And I'm like, I don't want out of jail. I'll just go right back out to what I was doing. I want to stay in jail until the treatment bed opens up. So that's what I did. I stayed I never, in. No one ever says that ever. <laughs> yeah. It, so all the guys in the unit, the pod I was in, in, in jail were like, oh, you're going to get out. You're not going to stay in jail. I stayed in jail till the treatment bed opened up. I went to treatment and the rest is, is history. How, how long did you end up staying in jail? So the attorney was like, you realize it's four months before a treatment bed's going to open up. And I'm like, I don't care. I, I, I don't want to get out. I want to stay until a bed opens up. So you were focused. That was your yeah. way of... So I, I prayed about it, and a month later, a bed opened up for me. So I spent 50 days in jail. I went to treatment for three months. Went to clean and sober housing after that. And now you're good. Whatever yep. happened to the gun? <laughs> You know, uh, it's like a mystery. I got to know. It got scrapped with the car. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, you know, you are talking earlier about um, your relationship with your dad. You know, he split. Your mom and dad split. What's it like now? Is, are you in a, is he in your life? Well, they're, they're both passed now. Oh, they have? Yeah. Sorry so, my, my real dad died when I was three months old. He got stabbed. Uh, he was back east somewhere. He got stabbed. So, I never got to be uh, in my real dad's life, which is always, you know, it's always had effect on me right. growing up, you know, never knowing who my real dad was. But so, that's been an obstacle for me, too. But Well, you know, Jeff... Good story. I'm really, uh, really liking this story. But you know what? We got to take a break to thank our sponsors. And so, guess what? We'll be right back. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com/startupradio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. All on. Was yes, my friend. Was that Dave Dahl on that commercial? I believe Dave Dahl. The ghost is in the machine. Oh my goodness! Wow, what a sexy voice he has, didn't it? I do kind of miss recording him. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's got that big old deep baritone voice. It's awesome. Sounds like he's been smoking cigarettes for the last 30 years. You mean he hasn't? Yes, he has. There's a lot of bass and testosterone in the room right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jeff, you know, uh, great story. Great story so far. I see um, a shirt that you have on. It's called the As Is Church. What's that about? So that's the church that I've been a part of for the last two years. And it's on 181st and Yam Hill. And the name as is, that's they take you however you show up there. You can be going in there wearing a beanie cap, wearing a Metallica shirt, doesn't matter. They take you as is. It's a great church. Um, I really felt like home when I got in there. So some people told me about it. There's a lot of recovery people that go there. I went in there to check it out. And uh, the pastor, he's the same age I am, tatted out, been to prison. And it just felt like home. I walked in there, and I just felt like I was home. So I volunteer there. I usher a couple couple weekends out of the month. 
and uh, it's just it's a great atmosphere. It's they they break it down into terms that I understand. Right. So real life experience terms. Exactly. I like that. All right. So let's get back to I want to kind of hear. You know, this this show is obviously about entrepreneurs. And so people out there listening are kind of, you know, they're interested in how to get into a business. So let's go into a little bit more detail about um, how you, you kind of explained a little bit, but how you kind of created your tow truck business and how you've grown it since then. Sure. Well, what is uh, so the name, what's the name of your tow business? The name of the business is Always Available and Reliable Towing. And so... Th- the thing about uh, starting a business is I didn't realize how actually easy it was. You know, people are, are really intimidated. I was intimidated by ever starting a business, but I researched it. It was $100 to get the business license to end to be an LLC. And then you just have to have the money for the insurance. You have to be, build your website. It's so easy to put yourself in the business that it, it's scary. You know, I, I'm surprised that I haven't figured this out before. You know what I mean? So if, if you're intimidated by starting a business, don't be. Just research it. That That's what the Internet's for. Research it. Find out. First, you got to find out what you want to do. What, what makes you happy, what, what you'd like to do. You know, I'd pick something that you're interested in. Like, I was interested in cars. I got a degree in mechanic business, so the towing was a great business for me. So do you work on your own trucks since you have a, you know, a degree so in mechanics? The, the mechanic shop I worked at for four years when I was going to college, it's Stevens Auto out in Boring. It is a great shop. It's a, the old man, 72 years old. He's like my father. I go to all my holidays out there. He was a diesel mechanic in the military. I owe a lot of my success to him. My last truck I had before the one I have now, I was constantly having to do repairs on it, and he taught me how to work on my own truck. How to, I already had the degree in mechanics, but the diesel part of it he helped me keep that truck up and running for a year so i was taught to when your truck breaks down i figure out how to fix it i fix it myself so yeah i was really fortunate to have someone out there that cared about me and believed in me and helped me keep my trucks up and running so how many trucks do you have now i have one i currently have one truck right now and uh how busy are you i'm i'm Pretty busy. I'm hoping within the next six months I can finance a second truck and, and hire on a driver. I have one truck. I'm the single single owner operator, and I'm open 24 hours a day. So at three o'clock in the morning, when I get a call for a tow, I have to get up, get dressed, and go do the tow. Go do it. Yeah, is that's kind of they do that on kind of a rotating uh, kind of business thing. You know, the the police they'll they'll rotate tow trucks right how does that work so i i don't i don't tow for the police uh due to my record i can't get a contract with them but i do have a website and i i tow for radio cab i have a contract with radio cab i tow for five different shops i tow for a couple of the car clubs road america um ajero and such so at this point um it's sustainable it's you're livable right yeah i i'm able to pay my bills and support my family and yet yes it's definitely sustainable it's definitely a good business to be in so um when you finally do get another truck um do you think that you might um give an opportunity to another guy like me you and mark that have been in you know in prison and um, needs needs an opportunity yeah most definitely most definitely I, I believe in second chances. I've gotten so many second chances, and uh, I, I believe in second chances. Well, Alon, where are we going today? Are we doing okay? 
I like where this is going. We're going in good good places. Good places. A fantastic trajectory. <laughs> I always got to refer to our our sound guy, um, Alon, because he's the voice of reason. Me and Mark are kind of out there, you know. Cuckoo. Yep, Coo-coo. little cuckoo. <laughs> and then what's, uh, what's weird about that is. When I'm the voice of reason, things are really messed up. They're messed up. <laughs> but we're moving along. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> There's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> so you say that you'd like to get a, you know, a loan for a second truck. Where would you like to see your business go? Well, I'm, I'm hoping within the next year or two that I, I have a fleet of trucks and a, and a tow yard. Right now, I'm working out of my house. Uh, I have a house in Clackamas that's zoned for commercial, so I work out of my house right now. But... Um, yeah, I would like to eventually, you know, in the next year or two, have a couple trucks and a couple be able to have a couple drivers. So what is, um, I know there's big companies out there, but, you know, you look around, uh, you know, the Portland area, um, are most guys, you know, most companies, a couple trucks, a couple three trucks? What, what are the average of, of these, these uh, companies out there? Yeah, most of them have at least three trucks. Three trucks? Yeah. But they also have a lot of overhead, and they, they charge high prices for their towing. Right. I try to, so I get a lot of business from, I try to be fair. I do a fair price. I, I have insurance. I have a million dollars coverage on my truck. I have a USDOT number where I could tow out of state. And uh, I I have a, a really nice truck. I got a 2013 Dodge Ram 5500 flatbed. And I just, I offer a, a, a fair price, and I'm reliable, like the name. Well, because you know... How much does it cost to, for a tow? Say I called you up. So uh, it's for passenger cars, it's $95 hookup and $5 a mile. And for the big trucks like the F-350s, it's $125 hookup and $5 a mile. So the companies all in my area, they're $125 hookup and $5 a mile for the passenger cars, and they're like $150, $5 a, a mile for the trucks. So how do you get, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many times, you know, People have gotten their cars towed. They're in a parking place or, you know, whatever, and they get their car towed. Most, most people just, when you say a tow company, they're just like, ah, how do you get past that? Yeah, so tow companies, it puts a bad taste in some people's mouths, but I don't, I don't own a tow yard. I don't impound cars. I don't do repos. I tow for the public. If you call me and need your car towed from point A to point B, that, that's what I do. Um, yeah, I, I never wanted to get into the repo business. Uh, to me, I, I, I'm the type of guy, I have a big heart. I'd end up going out there to repo some lady's car with a baby, and I'd be like, here, here's your car payment. You know, go make your car payment. And <laughs> yeah. not, econ- not economically viable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. You know, so, you know, the, the people listening to our program right now, they're just, you know, I think the main thing that uh, we can take from Jeff in, in starting his business is that you don't need a lot. You don't need a lot to start a business. You know, um, there's a program at Sandy Amna. We've had uh, uh, Dan Bielenberg in here. Um, and basically what they're doing in uh, Sandy Am is they're actually getting a business license while incarcerated. And then they're able nice. to make their, you know, their leather goods, their beads, their, you know, whatever they're making in there. You know, you know, when we were in there, you know, they had the hobby shop yeah. and they had all this stuff. Well, these guys here at Sandy Am, they're a little more progressive because not only can they make these things with an actual business license, but they've kind of opened up the prison a little bit. So um, these guys that are doing the, the businesses in there can sell them. That is so inmates. inspiring or so motivating. Um, 
That just, I didn't know they did that now. That's, that's yeah. great. Because I wanted to like, do a skateboard company so bad. I tried to send my friend the information to start the you know, DBA and all that stuff. But uh, if they would have had that one there, I'd probably be in the skateboard business. But <laughs> It's true. Um, so anyway, they can, awesome. they can sell to the other inmates. And believe it or not, the officers can buy from those inmates. CD28. And how they sell them is they will, you know, they'll contact them. They'll say, "Hey, look, I'd like this for my 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 guest or whatever," and then the visitor will come in, and they can present that gift that they bought from this inmate to their guest, that's, that's which awesome. is totally cool. Yeah, so that, that's important. They they haven't had that at Department of Corrections. They haven't. It's supposed to be to rehabilitate you, or to reform you, mm-hmm. and all they were doing, to, in my eyes, was they were breeding hard hardcore criminals. You know what I mean? They weren't teaching them enough to make them uh, be able to get out and, and be a productive member of society. Well, you know, you remember, Mark, when uh, we were at OSCI years ago, this is years ago, back in the 90s. Yes. Um, they had like a meat cutting school, a cabinet school, small engine repair, uh, paint shop, yeah, they and had all some, that stuff. They had some good programs before the prison population exploded. Right. But what ended up happening is there, you know, budget cuts came along. Right. And instead of the guards either staying at the, the salary they, they had or maybe getting a cut, they cut the programs. The instructors, exactly. You know, the vocational programs, which, you know, think about it. Say if you're a guy and you get a 10-year sentence and you go to prison. Well, part of the reason you went there was because, you know, of course, you were doing drugs and illegal crimes. But you didn't have, you know, I had a friend, his name uh, Pete Spillman, this great big guy. That's I know that guy. And um, when he got out of prison uh, this last time and came to work at Dave's Kill of Bread, at 40-some-odd years old, he had never had a job where they took tax, taxes out. It was always little part-time jobs. Wow. It was the first time he'd ever had it in 40 years he had a job. So now you're in prison, and you go in there for 10 years. You virtually come out the same, you know, as you went in there. You don't have any viable skills, but, you know, hopefully they, you know, you can take advantage of the, the college um, if there is some type of a program in there that you can take advantage of, but I just like to see more of that stuff in prison, you know, small engine, mechanics, that kind of stuff. I, you know, I like to see them implement that so a guy can get out or a girl can get out and they got some kind of a viable skill to go into the job market. So that, that's another thing that I, I learned too just here recently was I, I always thought when I got out that my PO, my parole officer, was the enemy. I looked at them when I got out of prison as they were the enemy. So as I got older, I realized that that's not true. Those people have resources for you. If you get out and use them for what they're supposed to be used for, you can get resources for housing. You can get resources for – you can go to the work WorkSource Center to get uh, help with jobs. College. So, call, clothing, all, clothing vouchers. Uh, all, all of that. I mean, so I'd always get out and I, I would – well, of course, I'd get loaded and I wouldn't see my PO. But once I got out and I realized that, wait a minute, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to use them for the resources. That, that's what they're there for is to give you resources when you get out and to help you. So, that's right. Well, you know, it's the thing is, you know, when you have a change of heart and change of mind, um, then uh, you start having empathy and sympathy for – people who, like you say, used to be what you would consider your enemy. Yeah, you know? I, I was such an asshole when I, <laughs> to my POs. I can't believe I was well, that guy. Well, the guards inside the prisons, too. 
You know, remember we, you know, we used to just hate the guards inside the prisons. We just think they were just the lowest people. But think about it. You know, they're coming in there having to deal with us buttheads all day long. You know, I mean, 99.9% all assholes. Yeah. But you know what? There were some in there. I remember one of the most poignant um, times in my life was um, when I was working with Dave, uh, we went into um, Snake River. Um, correctional facility where me and David met back in 1998. That's where I met him, too. Yeah. You were in the call center there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and me and Dave were both in there. So anyway, um, we go back in there, and when I was at OSCI years before, I worked in uh, the physical plant, and the guys that work in the physical plant, they have a little bit more access to to the prison and stuff. You know, you go underneath, you go on top, you go outside, whatever. And there was just one officer who had came on, but he, you know, I could tell there was something a little bit different about this guy. He was actually pretty nice, you know. <laughs> I mean, you could you'd talk to him, you know, yeah, and whatever, nice. you know. And he'd come out to the physical plant and, you know, and, and talk to my boss. And when he was out there, we'd all got to, you know, joke around with him and have have fun and whatever, you know. Not like usual, you know, the, whenever a corrections officer would come in there, everybody was like, well, trying to get busy with something, you know. But he was cool. And so then years later, when we went to Snake River, um, Dave spoke um, a couple different times inside the main prison, and then he went to speak at the minimum security there at Snake River. And when we went out there, um, I looked, and there was that officer that I had met all those years ago that I thought was kind of cool, you know. And he come he come right up to me. He says, lad... He says, man, he says, I am so proud of you, dude, for where you're at. And nice. it, was, it was like one of those, what? Wha? And the thing is, he was, he was a superintendent of the minimum security there. And here he came up to me, just excited to see me and tell me how proud he was of me because I'd gotten out and, and done the right thing and then was able to come back in and share what, we, you know, what Dave had done and what I had done inside the prison. So it was really cool. Have you have you done anything like that? Um, I haven't yet. I've I've go into some of the I chair some of the NA meetings and I, I tell my story in there, hopefully to reach a couple of people. But so I had to wait. I just recently came up to five, I got like five and a half years without a felony, so I I can start you know, going in and doing some HI. Good and, job. Yeah, Are you I'm, still on parole? Um, no, I haven't been on parole in a long time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nothing better than a success story. The underdogs. The champion. <laughs> the champion. Yes. Mark the champion. Are you a champion? Well, yeah, I can be. What I want to be. You got a little shy right there, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> champion. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think I'm a champion. I, yeah, but you I don't am even, the underdog. But you don't even realize it, Mark. Underdog's my hero. But you don't even realize um, the, you know, how many guys do we know that have gotten out and that have, um, you know, you know, like Steve Wilson and all these different guys that we know. And they come up, you know, they come out and they, and they do good. And then they see you and they're like, hey, Mark, man, you're doing great, man. It's cool. You don't even realize the effect that your life has on all those other guys that we used to do time with. Um, I was just talking to Steve about that this morning. Every once in a while, someone will come up and say that I inspire them. I don't really, I'm not trying to inspire them. I just, you know, but when they say that, I'm just like, you know, it gives me a chill. And I'm like, oh, God, that's cool. Um, yeah. To be able to inspire somebody to do better. Um, it's so rewarding. 
You know, Jeff, what, how how poignant would it have been if you um, would have been able to change? You like that word, Mark? Yeah, I like it. That's poignant. the word of the day, poignant. Poignant. Like but a, how poignant would it have been uh, for you, Jeff, to um, change your life and been in the position you are right now with a family and, and, and whatever, and your mom and dad to actually see you have you know making that change yeah so that's been a big regret that my mom never got to actually see me where i'm at today so my mom she believed in me so much you know and over the years and it just i i wish that she could have been around a little bit longer to see where i'm at today and also like she did so much for me we we always had clothes my mom would have holes in her shoes or holes in her pants and knees of her pants and make sure us kids always had food in our belly always had clothes to wear for school good clothes to wear for school she was a hard working awesome mom and i'm at a point right now in my life where i could actually give back a little bit to my mom i could you know i could take her out to dinner and and buy her nice things and I, I just really wish that that could happen. I know she's up there looking down at me and smiling because I finally figured it yeah, out. Absolutely. Same with, my dad. She is. Same with my dad. Absolutely. So, so that's, yeah, that's it. So you know what? On that note, um, we once again have to thank our sponsors. You know that's how we get paid. Is it halftime? Uh, we got to pay. Got to pay the bills. <laughs> All on Take It Away. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business well we're back we're back with jeff mccarty and his tow truck business so if you need a if you need a tow you know where to go that's right right, dad huh that's what that should be your motto if you need a tow (laughs) you know where to go yeah know where to go nice (laughs) we'll take you there (laughs) (laughs) nice all on so anyway, uh, during the break, me and uh, Jeff were talking about the fact that we were in a call center at Snake River Correctional Institution. That's where I first met Jeff, and that's where Dave Dahl and um, Jeff and I all kind of met. Doing that call center, you remember that? I do remember it. I it do was, remember it. It's yeah. crazy, huh? Yeah, that that was uh, yeah, it was an experience, I'll tell you that. Yeah, but you know what, though? Um it, it shows a little bit about your character when you're in prison and there's, you know, a multitude of penny-ante jobs in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's just, you know, 30, 35, 40 bucks a month jobs. But when you can get a job like in the call center, which paid, I think it was like 70 bucks or uh, something. I made 255 a month. See, there. there it is. So uh, when you can make a job like that. So going back to that point where you said, you know, I always thought that I was, stu- you know, I, I wasn't able, you know, you weren't that smart. And, you know, of course, I, I felt that way when I was younger, too, you know, because I dropped out of high school. Um, you know, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, I didn't realize that I even had any, you know, educational value until I went to prison. And then, uh, you know, I was trying to get a job. And they told me, well, look, if... Uh, you have to have your GED before you get your job, you know, 
was like a criteria. So I went in there thinking, oh, man, this is, <laughs> I'm not going to do very good here. You know, I didn't do very good in high school. Um, I, I did to a point, you know, when I was younger. I did really good up to a point, but then I smoked, started smoking weed. You know how that goes. Yep. And so then I went in to take my GED, and all they said, well, you know, we have to do this pretest. This will kind of tell us where you are, where you're at, and then we'll kind of work on those things, you know. And I'm like, okay. So I took this pretest, and guess what? They said, there's nothing we need to work on. You just need to go ahead and take the GED. And that was the first time in many, many, many years that I realized that. Wow. You're actually smart. I actually can do things. And and I, you know, I took off. From there, you know, it was a slow process for me. I'm pretty hard-headed. But it was one of those little things in the big clog that finally makes you realize that that old lifestyle isn't right and this new lifestyle holds a whole bunch of really cool things. That's right. Now, how did that work for you? Did you take your GED in there? Yeah, I took my GED in 1991 at OSP. And I was a youngster. I was 20 years old. But So I also passed, when I took the test, I passed it all, but I had a low score in, in math. So they had me take a math class. But yeah, I got my GED in 1991 at OSB. And when I took the GED, they didn't have algebra or none of that stuff. It was just the basic education. So I, these kids today have a harder time, I think, taking their GED because they, they have algebra questions and all kinds of stuff on their GED nowadays. Right. So how do you think you got so good at math? You know, you're telling us earlier that you really So aced. it's funny. I, I'm, I'm not that good at math. I hate math. So it was funny because I had to take math 20, math 60, and math 65 in college. So I successfully dropped a grade every time I went up. So math 20, I got a B. Math 60, I got a C. And math 65, I got a D. Math's not my greatest subject, but you know what? I tried my hardest, and I passed it. And if it wasn't for the tutoring center at Mount Community College, I would go an hour before school, and I would get help with my homework, and I would go an hour after school and get help with my homework. Um, the tutoring center is what helped me get through college. So if you're thinking about going to college and you're not sure or you don't think you're smart enough, use the tutoring center because that's what it's there for. Were you able to use uh, programs from prison to get into school? Um, I used FAFSA to help me with my funding. Right. I used FAFSA. So I ended up, it's funny because I ended up owing 30 grand for the, for the school, the mechanic program, and the year I did my, got my prereqs out of the way for the first year. And I'm not even using that degree, but I don't regret it because that gave me the confidence. Passing all them classes and passing the mechanics program gave me the confidence to do what I'm doing today. And I still use uh, the knowledge that I have in the mechanics field for the towing because there's times where you have a car that you have to get out of gear or a car where the wheels are locked up and you got to figure out how you're going to get it on your truck. So, you know, I don't regret none of that at all. Can you, um, can you fix up Mark's 55 Chevy? You know, it, if I had a couple years uh, <laughs> that I could spend on, you know, restoring it. <laughs> I'm thinking about, okay, you know my Corvette. Uh, I'm thinking about taking the Corvette motor, putting it in the 55. I think that's an awesome idea. I, that would be cool. I really wanted a Corvette because it's been one of my favorite cars, but you know what? But you know what? That, that 55 is a four-door. It is. It's a wagon. Yeah. yeah. You, sh you should uh, lengthen the front doors. Weld the back door shut and make it a, a nomad. 
He needs a four-door for all the girlfriends he has. Well, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. For, for all of them jumping out of the car. <laughs> I used to be, I used to like, because um, I've, I've loved old cars since I was little, thank, thanks to my uncle. But uh, it's always been about two doors. It's just, but you know what, now that I'm older, I got kids, and the, you know, the four doors are so, to me, they're more, I don't know, sensible. I'm not just stuck on two doors anymore. I know the two doors are more collectible, more valuable. Um, and a convertible on top of that triples the collectiveness of it. Yeah. So I have a 1971 Buick Centurion convertible. You do? I do. It's at my mom's. You have so, other, other cars than I, that? I do. I do. I'm sorry. Where do you got them stored so, at? Uh, I, all over. I own a tow business, and Mark has more cars than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I, I have a mechanic, quote-unquote, um, over in Southeast, but I, I think like three of them are over there. Um, I have a Harley. Um, I have a the Corvette. <laughs> I have a... Two um, gas-powered bikes. Those are so cool. I'm going to get those downtown so we can ride them around. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Wow. Um, I could just see Mark with his mohawk um, haircut. I need to stop hoarding, I think. That's why part of me is going to go ahead and take the motor out of the Corvette, scrap the vet, whatever you do with a Corvette without a motor in it. What do you do with a Corvette without a motor? Um, scrap it. Okay. It's scrapped. I mean, What year is it? It's an 88. Oh, yeah, scrap it. It's not, yeah. Those are not very good years. It wasn't, but I got it. and I used the motor, the it, transmission, it, and got, uh, the, Corvette's the drivetrain. Got, I could sell the 22s. <laughs> it's got 22s on it, remember? Yeah. I don't know. You could use that independent dis- suspension on that. Just swap everything out onto that 55. The disc, yeah. disc brakes, all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do, I think. That's a good yeah. idea. That way I can use... The 55 is cool. All right, Mark, we've had enough of you. We've talked to this Mark This is now Mark's Mark. car corner <laughs> with my co-host, Lad Justison. <laughs> <laughs> I love cars, too. I could talk about them all day, but getting back to our uh, special guest, Jeff McCarter. Yeah. So, Jeff, what you know? What are your ambitions at this time? I mean, I know... Let's talk a little bit about you got a family, and... Um, Everything's going good there. Uh, everything's going awesome. So I, I guess my goal in life is just to be able to pay my bills, pay my taxes, and be a, a you know, a productive member of society. You know, I got a lot of giving back to do from all the wreckage I've done in my past. You know, there's no better feeling than be able to uh, work hard, have a little bit of money in your bank, and take your family out for dinner or buy them some clothes or just the little simple things is so. In- Incredible for me, anyway. Yeah, that's right. It that's is. exactly right. You only go buy Saxon a toy if he wants one. You know? Yeah, exactly. He's got a cool kid. He's great. So anyway, um, we're about at the end of the time. Jeff, we want to thank you so much for being here. Um, if you'd like to plug your business one more time before we go. So the business is always available and reliable towing out of Clackamas. And you got a phone number, website. Uh, the number's 503-957-2270. And the website, just always available and reliable towing. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week on Felony Inc. Podcast. And we'd uh, like to thank our sponsors, Mark Grimes, his uh, co-host, Mr. Uh, Mike Coates, and our undernourished sound guy. All All on. All on. Have a good week. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. 
At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you and you get a $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.